The following podcast has been paid for by Perch on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. I am your host, Lee Walker, and this is the AEW Dynamite Discussion. As you can tell, AEW opened up in a rather controversial way with Max Caster and his rapping. He would go on to take on CM Punk in the opening bout of AEW Dynamite. This really wasn't a bad match. It was pretty good. Being the grizzled veteran that CM Punk is, he would finish Max Caster with a pile driver, slap on an Anaconda Vice, and for someone who said that uh, he wasn't going to tap, he tapped. After the match, CM Punk made these comments. Adam Cole, baby! I'm going to be looking down the barrel of some cowboy shit. So let it be known, fans, CM Punk wants AEW's world champion, Hangman Adam Page. Something I found interesting, though, was Jim Ross's comments during the match. He was criticizing the AEW stars for not going for pins often enough. Uh, Lately, we've seen him criticize even the AEW referees. I don't know where this is leading, but... It's very interesting, after all, Jim Ross has plenty of experience in professional wrestling. The next match would be Jay Lethal making his return to AEW Dynamite after last week losing to Adam Cole. He would be taking on Black Cool Combats Club John Moxley as we get a face-versus-face match. This match was fantastic. The physicality was off the charts. Uh, Moxley and Lethal literally beat the hell out of each other, in my opinion. And and this was a hard-hitting, fast-paced match. These guys gave it their all, and I would say that this was 100% a pay-per-view quality match. Now, Jay Lethal, very well known for being a Ring of Honor guy, Went for the code of honor in the beginning of the match. Stuck his hand out for a handshake. Uh, Moxley slapped it away. I found that very interesting. And this is where I actually found Jim Ross's comments interesting when he said during the uh, Punk-Max Caster match. Because in this match, there were a lot of pinfalls. There were a lot of near falls. It created a lot of drama and had the fans on the edge of their seats. It was fantastic. It was a great match. It kind of led us to believe, could Jay Lethal win? If you watch during the first commercial break where they do picture-in-picture, picture, Lethal was in control literally the entire time. A- again, this was just a great match. It was pay-per-view quality style. John Moxley would get the win, and Jay Lethal after the match, seemed very upset by losing. John Moxley would put his hand out for the code of honor, uh, 
a very Ring of Honor-like thing before and after matches, shaking hands. And Jay Lethal would end up shaking Moxley's hand before leaving the ring. Our next match was FTR taking on the Gun Club. Or as many of us know them as... Billy Ass and the Ass Boys! I'm sorry, that gets me every time. Anyway, uh, MJF would come out on commentary for FTR. By the way, FTR wearing their Scott Hall tribute gear. Very, very touching move. Really, really cool to see. We had seen Britt Baker also do a Scott Hall tribute gear last week on AEW Dynamite. So this week was really cool to see. This was a great tag team match. Very, very well done by both teams. Despite the interference by Billy Gunn. Though that was entertaining too. Because he gave the DX chop it sign at one point after attacking one of the one of the members of FTR on the outside. The match would end with uh, Billy Gunn trying to interfere again. Uh, we would see that not play in their favor as FTR would deliver the big rig and score the pinfall victory. Now this would all this whole match seemingly would end up overshadowed when Wardlow, who it was made known that would not be part of AEW MJF last week made it clear he will be paid to sit at home. Wardlow showed up running through security guard after security guard there was a powerbomb spot on a table, and uh, the table didn't break. So that was uh, a nice hard landing for that security guard. He would end up making his way through the arena to try and get to MJF, and then finally there would be too many security guards for him to handle. MJF, you could see there was a look of concern. While on commentary, kept referring to Wardlow as a pig. Which he was doing last week. I, I'm not sure what that has to do with anything. But after the match, FTR and MJF and the Pinnacle is seemingly falling apart. It's really, really clear that FTR is getting a face push. We'd already seen them fire Tully Blanchard, who was their manager. Wardlow received a really, really big pop, though. Uh, so we know he's got a huge face turn, and it seems like FTR turning face. Maybe we could see Wardlow and FTR start working together against what will be left of the pinnacle. I think that's what we're going to get. We go to another segment where the Jericho Appreciation Society is ripping on Santana, Ortiz, and Eddie Kingston. They kept playing this running joke like they weren't in the arena, like looking back through the curtain, this and that. Well, that wouldn't play in their favor. Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz were there. They went on the attack, and for a while they had the upper hand. Unfortunately, the numbers of the Jericho Appreciation Society would would end up taking over in the end. Uh, Jericho would pull out the baseball bat. And this had a very NWO versus WCW feel to it, the way that like it all went down. It was a really, really great segment. Uh, 
And Jericho kept referring to himself as the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Again, this is a dig at WWE's opening, you know, where they used to say that uh, Kingston was selling the whipping from the belt by Jericho very, very well. And the heat right now for the Jericho Appreciation Society is just off the charts. These guys are the bigger heel faction, you know, compared to the pinnacle. In our next bout, we had Wheeler Yuta taking on Brian Danielson, as Yuta has been very determined to prove to William Regal in the Blackpool Combat Club uh, that he's worthy of, of being part of that group. Now, these matches Yuta has been having lately is showing that he can be the next breakout star in AEW. And if you want further proof of that, normally fans would have been cheering for Brian Danielson. However, a huge Yuta chant erupted during the match, which even stopped Yuta and Danielson from wrestling, and Yuta had just smiled. You know, William Regal had pointed out that, you know, he shouldn't be doing that with the man that he's in the ring with. Because William Regal took exception to the commentary team referring to Danielson as one of the greatest. When, to William Regal, Brian Danielson is the greatest of all time. So he took exception to that. Uh, a defiant Yuta would spit in the face of Danielson. It, it, it showed a great visual that proceeded with a vicious stomping to the face that he ended up taking. Danielson would win the match. Now, our next match is the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament qualifying match for the women's, as the Bunny would take on a mystery opponent. But when that music hit and who came out, Man, this woman came out to a thunderous ovation. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest signee to AEW. Yes, Tony Storm is all elite, baby. I'm super excited for this. I was a huge fan of Tony Storm prior to going to NXT UK when she worked the independence. She looks great. Phenomenal match. I'm excited to see what's going to come out of Tony Storm and AEW. With her being in this tournament, there's no telling who's going to win because there's going to be some more surprises in this tournament. And in your AEW main event, we would see Darby Allen taking on Andrade El Idolo. And man, can Darby Allen take an ass beating or what? This man has no fear when it comes to dropping that coffin drop to the outside, jumping to the outside, and, and just these Jeff Hardy-like death-defying maneuvers that he likes to do. We would see in the beginning Sting would not stay out for the match in hopes that this would be a one-on-one -on -one match. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to emotion and Andrade, we really don't get much out of him. So it was really shocking to see him get fired up and scream into the camera early on in the match. It's honestly some of the most emotions that we've seen out of him in months because he's generally just been calm and cool and prosper in his promos. 
Andrade would win the match, but we would see his manager come down to the ring. We would also see Andrade and Darby Allen also use belts like Chris Jericho, leaving me to further wonder, do AEW wrestlers have daddy issues and belts? Because uh, there was a lot of belt use going on. And I don't mean championship belts. I'm referring to the belt that you need because your pants are too big around the waist. That belt. Yeah. Saw three of them in AEW Dynamite tonight. You know, it's interesting to have it at least in one spot, but there was three different spots tonight, two in this match alone, that involved like their personal belt holding up their, their pants. So as Andrade's manager comes down to the ring after the match, we would see Sting run down. And I don't know what it is with old guys in those ramps, but they don't run fast, and they make it seem like they're running fast because we would see this with the Hardys too. Sting pretty much almost ran into the ring trying to stop himself, and the Hardys were very, very slow. Now I know they're all older but if you're going to have run-ins, come on. Th- this spot kind of took it away from me a little bit. And then another thing I had noticed, uh, Jeff Hardy would hit a swanton bomb, but it was literally his ass and his legs that connected after you would see him grab at the back of his head as he was getting up. This isn't the first time since Jeff Hardy has been in AEW where he is seemingly not positioned the swanton bomb right on the landing. Uh, You can go back in other matches and see where it's seemingly the same way that he connects. I don't know if it's just a misjudgment call or the guys are are not in the proper position where they should be, but he's missing, and he's not really connecting it that well. Again, don't let it take away from how the match was. The match was great, and you know even when you know the Hardys are there, The pop and the ovation they get when that music hits is incredible. I pop every time, too. These are just little things that I'm noticing. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of the AE Dynamite Discussion. You can find us everywhere and anywhere podcasts are found from Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Podbean, Podbay, Stitcher, Red Circle. You name it, we are there. We are perched on the top rope. Fans in America, Great Britain, Canada, Australia, Germany, Ireland, and Indonesia, thank you for getting us on your Chartables Top 250 in Wrestling podcasts. We hope to see other countries soon. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to our YouTube page where all the interviews that we do are video, and you can check those out at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Make sure you check out our hilarious content on TikTok where we make Selena scenes of your favorite wrestling moments. There's also a video of the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, getting humped by a dog. Yes, you heard me correctly. Humped by a dog. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to our Twitter page at PerchedTopRope. You can follow us on Instagram at PerchedOnTheTopRopePodcast. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, spoiler free. Dynamite, let's go ignite Elements of light in the flesh of light And you feel the whole